Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, May 25th, 2021, and we're alive. Hope everybody's doing well today. Well, it's been a very, very busy day today. There's a lot going on in the news. We know today uh, we are commemorating uh, one year since the murder of George Floyd by uh, former police officer Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So there are commemorations all across the country today. Many people are not calling it an anniversary because usually anniversary is something more festive, wedding anniversary, um, something like that. But uh, it's a commemoration. And the push continues for nationwide police reform. The push continues for the passing of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is uh, still being negotiated in the Senate. Uh, so we have an update on uh, all this information, uh, all of what's going on today, uh, all of what took place today. We know that the uh, members of the Floyd family uh, and, and some of their attorneys uh, met with uh, President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, also uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi today, as well as Senator Cory Booker and Senator Tim Scott. Uh, also, we know that Senator Cory Booker, Senator Tim Scott, and uh, Representative Karen Bass are negotiating the details of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in the Senate. We know it already has passed the House of Representatives on uh, March 3rd, 2021. As I said on yesterday's show, uh, 212 Republicans and the House of Representatives voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. 212 Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Okay, so, you, they, they, you know, they may have put out, you may have had Republicans that put out statements today and said how, you know, what happened to George Floyd was so sad and things like this. But as we talked about on on Monday's show, when you look at this article here from NBCNews.com, this is from uh, March 3rd, 2021, House Passes Police Reform Act named for George Floyd. Okay, when you when you read this article, uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which is uh, H.R. 1280, it passed the House of Representatives by a vote of 220 to 212. It passed the House of Representatives by a vote of 220 to 212, which meant 212 Republicans voted against the bill. Not a single Republican in the House of Representatives voted for the Judge Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Okay, regardless of what they say or, uh, you know, what type of statement they put out or what have you. So this is what we're dealing with now. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is what is holding up the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in the Senate. Now, uh, Senator Cory Booker was interviewed today. And, well, Monday. I think it was Monday he was interviewed. And there's a, uh, a good article uh, from CBS.com, CBSNews.com. CBSNews.com, one year after George Floyd's death, 
there's cautious optimism for police reform. One year after George Floyd's death, there's there's cautious optimism for police reform. Um, And Senator Cory Booker said that uh, he and Senator Tim Scott met uh, this past weekend and they continue to meet and they said they were able to get a lot accomplished and they're moving closer uh, towards a deal. So we're going to talk about that. And there was a really good article by um, April Ryan for the griot.com by April Ryan for the griot.com. What is really holding up the George Floyd policing act from Biden's desk? What is really holding up the George Floyd policing act from Biden's desk? Uh, Joe Biden again today reiterated that he wants to get this bill uh, passed through the Senate, but a meaningful bill passed through the Senate, a bill with teeth, a bill that's meaningful, not a symbolic bill, a meaningful bill. The way the bill is now, that came from the House of Representatives, and we went through what's in the bill on yesterday's show. We went through step-by-step what's in the bill. The bill that came from the House of Representatives is a meaningful bill. It includes a repeal of qualified immunity, which allows police officers to be sued uh, civilly, uh, and you can sue the individual police officer for depriving you of your constitutional rights. The way it is now, you can't do that because of qualified immunity. Okay, uh, you can't sue the individual police uh, officer. So we're going to uh, recap what's in the House version of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. It's being negotiated in the Senate. Many Republicans are against removing or repealing qualified immunity. But the other thing that's important to know is that police organizations, police organizations are putting pressures, pressure on Republicans not to vote for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act that includes qualified immunity, because this is a real sticking point. This is, and I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I suspected that it happened in the House of Representatives. That's why, that's why 212 Republicans voted no on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I figured something like that was going to happen because Republicans up until Donald Trump, they were the party of law and order. I mean, you can't, you can't have a criminal like Donald Trump and then talk and then say you're, you're the party for law and order up until Trump came along. They were the party of law and order. If you saw the, the reporting from the Washington post today, and we posted this article here, and this is a, this is a, has been a breaking news story uh, this afternoon. Uh, I knew it was going to happen, and we just talked about uh, the investigation that Cy Vance has going on uh, into, uh, it appears, the Trump organization in Manhattan. Uh, prosecutor and Trump criminal probe convenes grand jury to hear evidence, weigh potential charges. Uh, they're about to, they're about, I'm telling you right now, I, look, on Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, some weeks ago, you know, the they were saying that uh, Trump is going to run for president again in 2024 and all that. I said, yeah, Trump is saying that now. I said, Trump is going to be dealing with so many lawsuits. He's going to be dealing with so many indictments. You still have 14 unsealed indictments in, uh, I think it's the Manhattan area, Manhattan from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan. You still have 14 unsealed indictments. We found that out dealing with the Michael Cohen case. Michael Cohen has turned over all types of documentation to the feds regarding the Trump organization. Okay. 
Trump is going, he may be running in 24, but 2024, but he's going to be running from the law in 2024. Read this article here from uh, the Washington Post. We'll talk about this uh, some more tomorrow show. Prosecutor in Trump criminal probe convenes grand jury to hear evidence, weigh potential charges. They're about the lower the boom on Trump. And it, and, and, and it, it appears that Trump's uh, CFO, Alan Weiss, uh, Weisselberg, is uh, if Weisselberg flips on Trump, it's a wrap for him. OK, uh, Manhattan's district attorney uh, has convened the grand jury that is expected to decide whether to indict former president Benedict Donald, other executives at his company or the business itself. Should prosecutors present the panel with criminal charges, according to two people familiar with the development. The panel was convened recently and will sit three days a week for six months. The panel was convened recently and, and will sit for three days a week for six months. It is likely to hear several matters, not just the Trump case during its term, which is longer than a traditional uh, New York State grand jury assignment, the, uh, these people said. Like others, they spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing investigation. Generally, special grand juries such as this are convened to participate in long term matters rather than to hear evidence of crimes charged routinely. The move indicates that District Attorney Cyrus R. Vance Jr.'s investigation of the former president and his business has reached an advanced stage after more than two years. Cyrus Vance has Trump's uh, taxes also. By the way, he they went to the U.S. Supreme Court. Got he so he has Trump's taxes as well. It, it suggests too that District Attorney Cyrus R. Vance thinks he has found evidence of a crime, if not by Trump, by someone potentially close to him or by his company. Okay, uh, it, it, or it could be all of the above. To tell you the truth, uh, I'm telling you right now. Telling you right now, yeah, he, he, Trump may be Trump will be running in 2024. He's going to be running to stay out of prison. Okay. So we'll talk about that some more on tomorrow's show. Now, uh, so we'll, we'll deal with these stories dealing with George Floyd and the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. What's holding up as well? Pressure from police organizations that are being put on Republicans, uh, also. And today, May 25th, this is. African Liberation Day, African Liberation Day. So you may may have seen some of the posts uh, that I did today, African Liberation Day, African Freedom Day, also called Africa Day. Afri African Freedom Day was um, founded during the first Congress, first conference of independent African states, uh, which attracted African leaders and political activists from various African countries. And we celebrate on um May 25th is African Liberation Day. On, on this day, many African countries celebrate the hard-fought achievement of their freedom from European colonial powers. We also know that uh, yesterday, it was May 24th, if I remember correctly, was uh, Eritrea was celebrating its independence from Ethiopia after the 30-year uh, war also. Uh, there was a, a good article from face-to-faceafrica.com uh, face-to-faceafrica.com dealing with um, Eritrea celebrating 
its uh, independence. Let me pull this one up here. Okay, we'll pull this up from FaceToFaceAfrica.com uh, also. Yeah, seven interesting facts you didn't know about Eritrea. And um, this is from, um, it's loading up here. This is from, yeah, May 24, 2021. Uh, on this day in 1991, Eritrea gained independence from Ethiopia after a 30-year-long battle fought between the Eritrean people's uh, Liberation Front and the Ethiopian uh, Army. Okay. And we know that uh, Tiffany Haddish, uh, actress and comedian Tiffany Haddish, her father is uh, Eritrean. So check out this article here from uh, face2faceafrica.com. Um, seven interesting facts you didn't know about Eritrea. And uh, um, May 24th was Eritrea's uh, Independence Day as well. They won their independence from uh, Ethiopia. The multi-ethnic nation was an Italian colony known as Italian Eritrea from the 1800s to the early 1940s until the uh, British took over after defeating the Italians at the Battle of Karen. Uh, Eritrea was a British colony until 1952 when the British gave up control that same year, the United Nations General Assembly passed a decree allowing Eritrea to govern itself through a local parliament. Uh, however, Ethiopia was granted control over Eritrea uh, with issues pertaining to defense and foreign affairs through a uh, federal uh, status for 10 years. In 1962, Emperor Haile Selassie I of Ethiopia annexed Eritrea after annulling its parliament. The action instigated the 30-year uh, Eritrean War of Independence, which subsequently ended with the Eritrean People's Liberation Front defeating Ethiopian forces in Asmara in 1991, with the country being declared an independent state in 1993. So read, uh, read uh, more about uh, Eritrea and Eritrea's Independence Day. Uh, seven interesting facts you didn't know about Eritrea. This is from face2faceafrica.com, May 24, 2021, by Ama uh, Nunu for uh, face2faceafrica.com. Okay, so happy African Liberation Day, happy African Day, and happy uh, Independence Day to Eritrea. All right, we're coming up on a break. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that will satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Are you getting ready for fall or winter? We have the solution for all seasonal clothing needs. Cometicwear.com is the go-to online source for Cometic African fashion and lifestyle products with a contemporary twist. We're 
We're committed to offering unique styles reflecting our African heritage. Cometicwear.com is inspired by Cometicscribes.com to influence our people in learning and showing pride. Please visit our website at Cometicwear.com. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle Her Hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustle Her Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 on the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is... Tuesday, May 25th, 2021, and we're live. Hope everybody's doing well. 
Uh, everybody share this broadcast here on social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in also. Okay, so um, we're dealing with the one-year commemoration of the uh, murder of George Floyd and also what has happened since then. Uh, there has been a massive effort across the country to deal with uh, police reform of various levels. We know there have been 3,000 bills that have been introduced in uh, uh, across the country, uh, the state legislature uh, level, uh, city level, et cetera. And we know that um, it was an article from um, NBC News affiliate that uh, broke this down. We know that there have been uh, 260 bills uh, that have become law. Uh, overall, lawmakers have introduced more than 3,000 policing policy bills with significant legislation passing in 39 states as of late April 2021, according to data from the National Conference on State Legislatures. Uh, we'll, we'll talk some more about that uh, also. Okay. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct for own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or a woman's thoughts, you control the covers of his or her actions because the mind can't do it, teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, uh, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, to sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 228, to sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Sign up for our email newsletter there as well. Okay, um, be sure to register for the online course that I teach on Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. This is a nine-week uh, online course that I teach. We deal with thousands of years of history, and we deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Okay, um, so as soon as you register, you can watch the class from uh, this past uh, Saturday. Our guest speaker was uh, archaeologist uh, Sister Nubia Wartford. Okay, archaeologist uh, Sister Nubia Wartford. And we dealt with the origins of ancient Kush and the African queens of antiquity. All right, so... Uh, the, the class is normally $130. It's on sale. Um, it was on sale $80, but we're about halfway through the class now. So we're going to discount it for you to $60. As soon as you register, you can watch the full content. You can watch this past week's class and um, uh, the week before that. We do the classes live, all the classes. Uh, we record all the, the classes also, so they're all archived. So you can go back and watch them over and over again. All right. And then we also have it at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com as well. We're going to post the link here uh, once again so you can register for the online course. Next class is Saturday, uh, May 29th, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Saturday, May 29th, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Okay, uh, I want to jump into this information here. So uh, the, the there were commemorations across the country uh, that took place today dealing with um, one year since the murder of George Floyd. We know that the uh, Floyd family, members of the Floyd family, uh, met with uh, uh, President Joe Biden today, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, as well. Um, also, Senator Cory Booker. Um, and George Floyd's death prompted a summer of international protests against police brutality and calls for changes in policing. It has also come to symbolize and has given momentum to the fight for uh, racial justice. Now, I, I want to go to uh, clip number one here. This is from uh, NBC Nightly News. America marks one year since the murder of George Floyd. Uh, let's go to this clip, Shakita. Take it off mute. Okay, uh, we'll get that going. Today, across okay. the country, moments of silence commemorating the agonizing nine minutes and 29 seconds a police officer knelt on George Floyd's neck. It was a murder, and uh, we need to be reminded that what happened was not an accident. In Washington, Floyd's relatives met with lawmakers, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and later President Biden. If you can make federal laws to protect the bird, which is the bald eagle, you can make federal laws to protect people of color. A federal police reform bill has stalled in the Senate because of Republican opposition to certain proposals, such as restricting qualified immunity, making it easier to sue police officers. He did let us know that he supports passing the bill, but he wants to make sure that it's the right bill and not a worse bill. This morning in Minneapolis, chilling moment as gunshots rang out near where Floyd died. It's unclear why. Police say at least one person was shot and went to the hospital. Still, it was a day of reflection. In the past year, there have been changes at the state level. At least 3,000 policing-related bills have been introduced in legislatures. More than 30 states have enacted new police oversight and reform laws. But more than 1,000 people in the U.S. have died following police encounters since Floyd's death. What has changed in America? Nothing. Nothing has changed. We sat down with three women who now share an unwanted bond. Though George Floyd's sister, Bridget, is hopeful about the social justice movement. What has changed the most is uh, unity throughout the country. Alisa Charles Finley is the sister of Botham John, who died in 2018 when a white Dallas police officer mistakenly entered his apartment and shot him. She was convicted. Has Congress moved quickly enough on police reform? No. Is that a broken promise to you? Of course it is. I mean, Gwen Carr is the mother of Eric Gardner, who died in 2014 in New York City following a police chokehold. That officer was not charged. People will think, oh, it's always not over it because they are still killing our children. And Gabe, despite those gunshots earlier today, it appears people are still gathering there at the square. Yes, that's right, Lester. Today was a major milestone for Minneapolis, but there's a lot on the horizon for this community. Sentencing for Derek Chauvin is now scheduled for late next month. Okay, that was um, 
from NBC Nightly News from uh, May 25th, 2021. America marks one year since the murder of George Floyd. So, uh, so today, as you heard, uh, members of the Floyd family uh, were welcome at the White uh, welcome to the White House by President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, as negotiations continue in the Senate. Now, the bill has already passed the House of Representatives, as I said before. No Republicans in the House of Representatives voted for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Now, uh, President Biden has called on Congress to pass the, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Uh, he, he called on to pass it by today, the, uh, the, the one-year um, anniversary of uh, Floyd's death. It hasn't happened yet. They're still negotiating. Senator Tim Scott is negotiating on behalf of uh, Republicans. And Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass are negotiating on behalf of uh, Democrats. Now, uh, Joe Biden tweeted today, it's been uh, one year since George Floyd was murdered. In that time, George's uh, family has shown extraordinary courage. Last month's conviction was a step toward justice, but we cannot stop there. We face an inflection point. We have to act. Now, uh, what I want to do, I want to go to, uh, let's see here. There, it, it, there was a good article from uh, NBC Dallas-Fort Worth, Channel 5. States raced to, oh, we're going to turn on the screen share for this. States raced uh, for police reform, okay? And this is about an eight-page article. I printed it out. Uh, states raced to pass police reform bills after George Floyd's murder, advocates say, is not enough. Now, at the same time, this is this has been the biggest push this past year with 3000 bills being pushed. Um, this is the biggest push for police reform that uh, advocates have seen in, in decades, really. And at, at one time, like in a year, this is the biggest push that has happened. Uh, I was reading an article from ABC News today, and uh, Representative Karen Bass said that the, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus, they have been trying to get meaningful uh, uh, police reform passed for about 50 years. OK, there wasn't enough support to get it passed. There wasn't an, you need. OK, as it is now, you need 218 votes in the House of Representatives to get any bill passed and you need 60 votes in the Senate. Previously, there was not enough support to get the bills passed. All right. Uh, we may talk about this article tomorrow because this is an extensive one. Uh, a year after George Floyd's death, America is still grappling with police violence and reform. Uh, this is from uh, ABC News and uh, we'll post a link here also. This one here, but it was because uh, I, I heard Benjamin Crump say that there hasn't been uh, significant uh, police reform legislation passed in 57 years. This will be if they get this bill passed through the Senate and signing the law, this would be the first significant police reform uh, legislation passed in 57 years. But if we look at this one here from NBC Channel 5. More than 260 police reform bills have been passed across the country in the last year. Okay, 3,000 
um, have been uh, proposed. Okay, so I want to zoom in on something. We're going to go to clip two here uh, in just a second, Shakita. In the years since George Floyd uh, was murdered in Minneapolis, 260 bills have been approved in state legislatures to ban potentially deadly law enforcement practices and otherwise reform police departments across the country. Beyond its breadth, the legislation is notable for its speed, said Amber Widry, a national um, a national conference of state legislature, uh, a national conference of state legislatures, research analysts and expert on law enforcement policy. She pointed to a police misconduct bill in Iowa that passed in roughly 48 hours. Over 260 police reform bills have passed nationwide since last May, May 2020. Okay. While most state legislatures are not in session during the uh, second half of the year, COVID related delays and lawmakers' decisions to hold special sessions in late 2020 helped them pass policing bills quicker than usual. Helped them pass policing bills quicker than usual. Okay. And actually, uh, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures Policing Database, uh, actually, as of May 24th, you have 264 bills uh, that have been passed at the state legislature level. 264 bills passed at the state legislature level. You see it highlighted here in red. Let me blow this up a little bit more for you. We'll post a link here to this full article. It's about an eight-page article. I'll print the whole thing up. Okay. And this deals with how elections have consequences also. Because you have to have the right people in office to write the bills and and get this stuff pushed through and get it voted voted on and signed in the law. Um, but advocates also caution that the reach of the new laws might be limited. Advocates also caution the reach of the new laws might be limited. The typical response from lawmakers to a tragedy like George Floyd's death has been to pass narrowly focused piecemeal legislation, said Maria uh, Panamarenko, uh, an associate professor at the University of Minnesota Law School and the co-founder of the Policing Project at the University uh, at the New York University School of Law. She said the problem is that these issues just run so much deeper and are systemic. And so just getting one narrow practice is not going to affect much change. Just getting one, just getting at one narrow practice is not going to affect uh, much change. Overall, lawmakers have introduced more than 3,000 policy, uh, more than 3,000 policing policy bills with significant legislation passing in 39 states as of late April 2021. So there have been so we've seen this go around the world. All right. I was watching people in London last summer protesting. We've seen this go around the world. We, we've seen in state legislatures 3000 police uh, uh, policing policy bills being introduced 
we've seen 264 as of May 24 actually passing, with significant legislation passing in 39 states as of late April 2021, according to data from the National Conference on State Legislatures. The bills tackle a wide scope of issues. Now, just now, I want people to understand. No one is saying that this is enough. But where we are today compared to where we were May 24th, 2020, so far just in that year, being able to get support for these bills, being able to get this, this passed, a lot has been accomplished compared this to May 24th, 2020. Because a lot of these bills you couldn't get past. A lot of these significant bills and state legislatures you couldn't get past. The support wasn't there for them. Okay? Now, it's not nearly enough, of course. You, you, you have to build upon this. Now, you want federal legislation, but the majority of control of policing is not at the federal level. It's at the state. It's at the county. It's at the city level. That's where the majority of control over policing is. That has a lot to do with the 10th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution dealing with states' rights. Yes, the things that can happen at the federal level. That's why the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is so important. Look at who is supporting that bill and look at who's voting against the bill. Okay? So it's, it's very clear. The same people who are voting against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act are the same people who did not vote for the, the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. You've heard me say this before. No Republicans in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate voted for the, for the American Rescue Plan. That's benefiting many white Republicans that voted for these Republicans in the first place. And then we saw in the House of Representatives, 212 Republicans voted no on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Okay, so let's continue because we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to this clip here, clip two in just a second. And this deals with the police reform efforts across the country. Then we're going to go to the story from the grill.com and April Ryan, White House correspondent April Ryan. And she is dealing with. What's really holding up the Justice and Policing Act in the Senate? And this has to do with police organizations putting pressure on Republicans not to vote to repeal qualified immunity. That's what it appears. And that's that's something I suspected because police unions are very, very, the police unions are very, very powerful and they supported a lot of these Republicans. So I knew this was coming. So the bills tackle a wide uh, scope of issues and some, the bills tackle a wide scope of issues and some never before addressed at the state level in areas such as use of force standards, imp improving training, and spelling out how officer-involved shootings should be investigated. Many states have focused specifically on chokeholds. So far, at least 17 states have prohibited the use of neck restraints. Now, people are being killed by police at a similar rate to before George Floyd's death uh, as well. OK, now, see, this, this is one of the problems when people just look at headlines. So right after Derek Chauvin was convicted, then the Associated Press came out with the headline, six uh, 
uh, six people were killed by police in 24 hours. And then that became a headline going all around the country. That was pretty much in line with normal police killings. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying you can't just look at a 24 hour period of time and think it's all connected. Go back to January 1st, because on average, 1,000 to 1,100 people are killed each year by police. This is what happens when people just jump on headlines and start putting out memes and doing videos off of headlines and don't do research. In the year since George Floyd's death, police killings overall on, on, are on par with previous years, averaging roughly 1,100 police killings a year. African-Americans are also still being killed at a rate more than three times higher than white people. They make up 13.4% of the U.S. population. Uh, let me see here. I want to skip past some of this. Okay, let's go to, uh, I want to go to clip two here. Uh, Shakita, so clip two is from uh, NBC News Now. This deals with uh, police reform. Uh, police reform sweeping through the country one year after George Floyd's death. Let's go to this clip. Four years since the death of George Floyd. Floyd was killed by former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin during an arrest after store clerks suspected Floyd may have used a counterfeit $20 bill. Chauvin was one of four officers who arrived on the scene and was caught on video kneeling on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. He was convicted of murder last month and is currently awaiting sentencing. Since then, though, there have been growing concerning calls for police reform. Protesters and civil rights activists are calling for justice, and they're demanding some real change. NBC News correspondent Shaq Brewster joins us now live from Minneapolis with some of the changes that are already underway. Shaq, you've been reporting not only on these changes there, but also changes across the country. What have you found? That's right, Morgan. And, you know, really experts say while that federal legislation is still stalled, they're pointing to what you're seeing at a local level and they're crediting protesters, demonstrators for keeping up the pressure on Congress. George Floyd's murder sparked strong demands for change. One year later, experts say police reform is sweeping through the country at an impressive pace to see things that are occurring on this level, on a national level, and also taking place not only just at the local and state level, it, it's, it's amazing. And I'll be honest, it's about time. <laughs> the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department is just weeks away from beginning what it's calling a revolutionary retraining. It's going to get some pushback and resistance. It's putting the final touches on a new curriculum for the department's 2,300 sworn officers. Training that will emphasize customer service. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bad experience with police officers. It might be a bad situation that they're in, but our encounter with them does not have to be uh, a negative encounter. This emphasis on service shaped in the months after Floyd's death. As Congress debates federal legislation, lawmakers in nearly every state have introduced more than 3,000 policing-related bills. More than 30 have passed new police oversight and reform laws since May 2020. Common reforms include bans on chokeholds and neck restraints, updates to use of force and de-escalation policies, and new expanded body camera policies. Some jurisdictions have done more. Illinois' new law requires officers to provide an underlying offense 
when arresting a person for resisting arrest and ends cash bail by 2025. New Colorado legislation, considered the country's most far-reaching, allows officers to be sued for up to $25,000, ending the liability shield known as qualified immunity. As someone who has lost her son mm-hmm. at the hands of police, when you look at the reforms that have been talked about so far, what do you think? That's progress. That's progress. But we still need more progress. Some activists hoping that reform is just the start of a systemic restructuring. We've tried all of these different things, but you cannot reform what's in somebody's heart in the system of law enforcement here is not just here, around the country. It's almost unreformable. Jack, that's a pretty powerful statement that this is a potentially unreformable system. Uh, we also understand that George Floyd's family is going to meet with President Biden tomorrow. What is expected to actually happen or even come out of that meeting? That's right, Morgan. And we just learned within the past hour that that meeting will be private. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki saying that the meeting between members of the George Floyd family and President Biden will happen behind closed doors. So we might not know specifically what comes out of it. But look, President Biden wanted that federal legislation on his desk by tomorrow. That won't happen. But the purpose of this meeting is to kind of keep that pressure, keep the focus on passing that legislation as those negotiations continue in the Senate. Morgan? All right, Shaquille Brewster for us there. Shaquille, thank you so much. Okay, that's Shaquille Brewster for uh, NBC News, NBC Now. Good reporting there. Police reform sweeping through the country one year after George Floyd's death, okay? Now, I can't stress this enough. Um, This is the result of voting and voting for, you may not be, it may not be perfect candidates, but moving towards what it is that you want. Uh, Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, palm resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, the adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. You have to have people in office who will properly respond to your protests. People in office who you can reason with. They may not at the beginning of the conversation, they may not be where you want them to to be, but people you can present the evidence to and push them in the right direction to do the right thing. There are no perfect candidates, but you have to have the right people in office to properly respond to your protests. And then once the changes are made, once policies are put in place, you have to have people in office to protect the changes that were made as well, because it can always be reversed. This is, we don't, oftentimes we don't understand the concept of protecting gains, okay? Oftentimes, we don't understand the concept of protecting gains that, that were made. And this is understanding principles of political self-defense. All right. Now, uh, so that was from NBC News Now. That's from May 24th, 2021. Uh, I want to go back to, let me see. Let's look at this for one more minute here. Uh, there was another piece, page five. Uh, this one here from uh, NBC Channel 5, really good, uh, really good article here dealing with uh, one year later. Let's look at this. So, uh, Pona Marino, 
said a broad approach is needed. Okay, let's back up here. Let's back up here. Uh, okay, so they talked about uh, you still have, uh, on average, roughly 1,100 people being killed by police each year. African Americans are still being killed at a rate uh, more than three times higher than white people. Now, uh, she said a broad approach is needed. Okay, a broad approach is needed. For for example, to tackle the issue of excessive force more comprehensively, some states have reevaluated how force is used, mandated training, and stronger reporting. So now there is data available. Changed liability standards, as as you just heard uh, there in the clip from. Uh, uh, with Shaquille Brewster, changed liability standards and required independent investigations when force is used. All right. Um, it's really it's really doing all of these things at once that has the potential to make more of a difference. Again, it's not going to fix everything, but at least it starts to get at the fact that these are really systemic issues and there's not one and, and they're not one offs. Okay. Among this, among the states that are trying uh, a broader approach, Colorado, Washington, Maryland, Illinois, Massachusetts, and New Mexico. At least, uh, at least these are states that are recognizing that these are systemic issues that we're not going to solve by just banning chokeholds. Okay. So read the rest of this. We're running out of time. I don't have time to get through all this. Uh, I, I have so much information here. I've, I was doing a lot of research today, uh, preparing for uh, today's show, and I got more than more information. So some of the stuff we just have to get to tomorrow. Uh, read this article here. States raced to pass police reform bills after George Floyd, after George Floyd's murder. Advocates say not enough. OK, but th th there's some significant things that have taken place. A lot more has to take place. But you also have to understand, I mean, you're dealing, you're dealing with a problem decades in the making. You're dealing with a problem decades in the making. You're not going to solve all this over the course of one year. All right. But the 2022 midterm elections are important. Because you want to be able to build upon what takes place this year and what you get accomplished this year. You want to put people in office to be able to build upon that. OK, you want to be able to put people in office to build upon that. All right. Um, OK, I want to go to this next article here. This is from. Uh, there was one from CBS News. One year after George Floyd's death, these costs, uh, these cautious. There's cautious optimism for police reform. One year after George Floyd's death. There's cautious optimism for police reform. This is from CBSnews.com, and uh, we may have to get to some of this uh, on tomorrow's show. But it ta uh, Senator Cory Booker talks about how uh, he worked through the weekend with Senator Tim Scott, and they're coming closer to a deal in the Senate on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act also. Uh, the most important thing, I want to go to this article here from uh, April Ryan for the um, uh, the grill dot com. And this is really, really good reporting from April Ryan. Um, what is really holding up the George Floyd Policing Act? 
from Biden's desk. All right. Now, in the article, she says a high ranking uh, Democrat tells the griot that Republicans uh, t- that Republicans are holding up the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act because they're seeking buy-in from law enforcement organizations. They're seeking buy-in from law enforcement organizations. All right, now, President Joe Biden is hosting the family uh, on Tuesday. Okay, we talked about that. Um, one question appears to linger. One question appears to linger in the minds of many members of the public. What is the sticking point in the passage of policing reform? Now, I had a pretty good idea what it was. And looking at the fact that 212 Republicans voted no in the House of Representatives, I figured police organizations were putting pressure on Republicans. Various congressional leaders who spoke with the griot had previously said they could not pinpoint the stall in the in the negotiations. However, a high ranking Democrat who asked to remain anonymous as Democrats and Republicans on the Hill continued to negotiate the bill, tells the griot that what is holding up the police reform act in uh, George Floyd's honor is Republicans seeking buy in, Republicans seeking buy in from police organizations before making any concessions. This makes perfect sense because, as I said before, okay, no Republicans in the House of Representatives voted for this bill. Any opposition from law enforcement organizations, quote, is a real obstacle to moving forward for a for Republican members of Congress, said uh, the Democratic source, especially when Republicans rely upon upon police unions to endorse them and uh, get donations to their campaigns. Quote, is going to be very different in the next couple of days as the negotiations proceed that some of the national law enforcement agencies cease their opposition and begin, is going to be very important in the next couple of days as negotiations proceed that proceed that some of the national law enforcement agencies cease their opposition and begin to work with the House and the Senate to move this legislation forward, the source tells the grill. All right, look, we're out of time here on 19A on the Superstation WFDF. Um, remember, right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. Those watching on our Facebook fan page and YouTube channel, keep watching for a little while longer. Uh, we're going to keep broadcasting for a few more minutes. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Okay, um, we're going to go for just a couple more minutes, and we'll, we'll talk very briefly about African Liberation Day. You see me wearing my African Liberation Day uh, shirt. This is from 2011, African Liberation Day uh, here in Detroit, the celebration that took place in Detroit. Dr. Claude Anderson was uh, speaking uh, at African Liberation Day in 2011, and uh, Dr. Mawulana Karanga, uh, co-founder of uh, Kwanzaa, was speaking here, and Professor Herb Boyd. Okay. Um, however, according to U.S. Rep. Uh, Hank Johnson, um, just a second here. Also, if you'd like this type of information, uh, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, and also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Okay, this helps us keep doing the research.
stay on the air, keep Broxton. Uh, we hit six days a week, so we definitely need your support. Uh, so you can support us there. And then also be sure to register for the online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle Her Hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustle Her Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. For 25 years, the Black History 101 Mobile Museum has carried on the rich legacy of the Black Museum movement in America by showcasing original artifacts of the Black experience at colleges, universities, K-12 schools, corporations, libraries, conferences, and cultural events, making it the most traversed Black History mobile exhibit in American history. Dr. Khalid El Hakim is the founder of the Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum, and he is a highly sought-after public speaker on topics of Black history, social studies, education, museum studies, hip-hop, and race relations. Dr. Khalid was named among the change makers for NBC Universal's Erase the Hate campaign, and listed as one of the 100 Men of Distinction for Black Enterprise. He recently founded the Michigan Hip Hop Archive on the campus of Western Michigan University. The Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum is currently scheduling in-person and virtual exhibits nationwide. For more information, please contact Dr. Khalid Al-Hakim directly at 313-645-4197, 313-645-4197, or visit their website at blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. That's blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. You can also email him at bhistory101 at yahoo.com, bhistory101 at yahoo.com. If you read what's in, we went through what's in the uh, uh, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act yesterday. It's a much more comprehensive bill than the COVID-19 hate crime bill. The, as I said on yesterday's show and the day before that, the bill is not specific to hate crimes against Asian Americans. You can read all the bills at congress.gov. And it's only related to COVID-19 hate crimes. Is is when you actually read the COVID-19 hate crime bill, because that's what the bill is actually called. It's not the Asian hate crime bill. That's what the media is calling it. It's not the it's not the Asian hate crime bill. It's the COVID-19 hate crime bill. It helps to read this stuff before you post nonsense like this on social media. If you if you got this. 
from somebody else on social media, you need to go ask them why the hell are you lying to us? Because you can go read these bills for yourself and you can see how social media pimps are lying. You can go read these bills yourself and see how social media pimps are lying. If you compare the COVID-19 hate crime bill to the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, you see the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is a much more comprehensive bill. This is what happens when you don't do research. So let's go back to this here. Y'all gonna learn, don't come at me with this nonsense. Uh, that's why I give you the information so you can go read these bills yourself. Proper documentation is all conversation. You don't have to believe me. That's why, because most of these other people you listen to, are they telling you go to congress.gov and read the bill? Are they giving you the bills to read? No, because they haven't read the shit themselves. That's why. However, according to U.S. Representative Hank Johnson, Democrat from Georgia, progress is still underway. One step forward, he highlighted, is aimed at, quote, stopping militarized law enforcement end quote, stopping militarized law enforcement. Now, under President Obama, President Obama restricted the uh, militarized weapons going to uh, police departments because that was something that came out of the protests in Ferguson, Missouri. What did Donald Trump do? Donald Trump reversed that. Donald Trump wanted them to have militarized weapons and everything. Okay? Trump reversed a lot of the police reforms that the Obama administration put in place. A lot of people don't read, so they don't notice. Now, you watch this show. We've dealt with that here on this show. We dealt with that during the uh, 2020 presidential campaign. And I went through and showed you articles dealing with this. And a lot of police unions supported Trump because they said Trump was going to take the shackles off of them because they were complaining about the oversight from the Obama administration. And they said Trump is going to take the shackles off, off of us so we can do our jobs. And that's why many of them supported Trump. And some of them are white supremacists also. Congressman Johnson said that uh, said that part involves, quote, shutting down the pipeline between the Department of Defense and law enforcement agencies with surplus equipment. Federal, state and local agencies are under this agreement. Federal, state and local agencies are under this agreement. This is Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia. Um. He stressed that the George Floyd Policing Act centers around some crucial issues, such as eliminating qualified immunity as a legal protection for rogue police officers. All right. Uh, the core of the act allows for accountability for police officers who violated the civil rights of citizens in civil and criminal proceedings. It lessens the standard of proof necessary to convict police officers for a criminal act of violating a person's civil rights, okay? Just to show you the complexity between this bill and the COVID-19 uh, hate crime bill, police organizations were not putting pressure on Republicans not to vote for the COVID-19 hate crime bill. They're doing that now with this bill. There were 62 Republicans that voted against the COVID-19 hate crime bill. OK, basically 62 in the House and dumbass uh, Senator Josh Hawley uh, in uh, from Missouri in the Senate. There were 212 Republicans that voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. As, as we 
talked about early at the beginning of this show, and as I highlighted on yesterday's show, there were 212 Republicans that uh, uh, voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, but it still passed the House of Representatives. Who voted for it in the House? It was Democrats that supported it. Who's the sponsor of the bill? Representative Karen Bass, Democrat from California, African-American woman, Congressional Black Caucus. She's the sponsor of the bill. Okay, let's continue. Uh, all right, read the rest of this here. Gets into qualified immunity. Senator Scott, Republican in South Carolina, has been negotiating on behalf of Republicans for the passage of the bill. Senator Scott is more of an advocate for uh, police reform than most Republicans are. Quise is kept. Most, most, Senator, Senator Tim Scott is more of an advocate for police reform than many Republicans are in the Senate. And what happened was after uh, George Floyd, uh, after um, Derek Chauvin was convicted for killing George Floyd, then you had some Republicans in the Senate who said, well, because Derek Chauvin was convicted, this means the system works. So you don't have to have police reform because Chauvin was convicted. This means the system works. That, it, Chauvin killing George Floyd and then being convicted after all this evidence came out, that's not the system working. If the system worked, George Floyd would still be alive today. Okay, the police were called for a suspected fake $20 bill that it appears, it really appears George Floyd didn't even know the bill was fake. Because when you watch, they during, during the um, trial, they showed uh, surveillance video from, from the uh, cup foods. They showed video that had never been shown before. After George Floyd, you all saw the video. After George Floyd did his transaction there in the store and paid for what he was buying, he stayed in the store for a number of minutes. Well, if you are deliberately trying to pass fake money, you're not going to stick around in the store after you get what you go after you get what you bought. You're going to leave. He stayed around in the store. Then he goes out to the car. the The 19 year old guy who was the um uh, the, the clerk there. He goes out to the car to confront them, ask them about, you know, the money, what have you. Okay. He goes out there. George Floyd is there in the, in the car. He goes back in the store, talks to his manager. He goes out a second time. George Floyd is still out there in the car. If you pass fake money, if you deliberately pass fake money, you're going to sit there outside in the car. You're going to be gone. Then the police show up. George Floyd is still there in the car. So it's pretty clear, based upon circumstantial evidence, it appears he didn't even know the money was fake if it was fake. The city of Minnesota had to pay out, has to pay out $27 million to the Floyd family. Okay? Now, rightfully so, but that's not the system working. If the system worked, George Floyd would still be alive today. He wouldn't have been arrested for allegedly passing a fake $20 bill. Sheriff Arredondo, Madera Arredondo, police chief of Minneapolis, Minnesota, he said they don't arrest people for allegedly passing fake money. You can't even, 
you have to ask, you can't even, you, you haven't even been able to prove whether they did it purposely or not. He said, they don't arrest people for doing that. That's not the system working. This is a lot of white Republicans who many of them are being uh, endorsed by police unions who don't want to support police reform. That's not the system working. Okay, now, uh, okay, so we got that. And then, um, let me see something here. Okay, so read the rest of this article. What is really holding up the George Floyd Policing Act from Biden's death? So this is really good reporting from uh, April Ryan, okay, for the griot.com. And then, so we've got that. Um, there was one from CBS News. I want, you, you can read this one here. And it has an interview with uh, Senator Cory Booker. I think they talk, I think Senator Tim Scott has talked about him here as well. Okay. I think Senator Tim Scott has talked about in here also. Let me try to pull this one up quickly here. Just a second. One year after George Floyd's death, there's cautious optimism. Now, as I said on yesterday's show, okay, you want to call your member of the U.S. Senate and ask them to vote yes on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, okay? We talked about this yesterday. Uh, very quickly, I'm going to show you the, we'll go back to the article again so we can see what's in the bill. So when you call, you don't want to say vote for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, uh, you know, because it's the right thing to do. Go, go, go down the list and, and tell them what's in the bill. OK, because, see, a lot of times we don't understand how to advocate for what it is we want, because this is this is what white constituents do all the time. They call their members of Congress. They call their elected officials, show up at their office, things like this. And. Elected officials keep track of how many people call and say vote yes on this bill, how many people call and say vote no. They know if you call them and tell them why you want them to vote a certain way on the bill, that's a voter. These are people who will vote them out of office or vote to keep them in office. See, a lot of times we don't understand how the game is played. We're, we're, many times we're playing a um, a political we're playing a game of political football and don't know the difference between a first down and a touchdown, and wonder why we don't have any points on the board. White people do this stuff all the time. If you go back and you look at um, when. They had the vote in the in the U.S. Senate. I think it was two thousand twelve, either two thousand twelve or two thousand fourteen, the Save the Affordable Health Care Act. And John McCain um, uh, uh, had the the vote that saved the Affordable Health Care Act. Prior to that, you had people organizing across the country. And every Tuesday, they would show up at their member of Congress uh, office. And they were putting pressure on them to vote to save the Affordable Health Care Act. What well, they were organizing, many of them were organizing, 
based upon a document called Indivisible. End, Indivisible. I-N-D-I-V-I-S-I-B-L-E. Indivisible. Indivisible Guide, G-U-I-E-D, IndivisibleGuide.com. And I first found out about Indivisible from um, the Rachel Maddow show. And she interviewed the people from the organization. And they put out this guide that you can download. And I downloaded it. I have it in my backpack. Because I, when I do lectures, this is one of the things I show people. The guide, Indivisible, has form letters in there. And it teaches you how to interact with your member of the House of Representatives and your U.S. Senator or U.S. Senators, too, and how to put pressure on them. You have to put pressure on your member of the House of Representatives because you're the only one that can vote them out of office. People in Detroit can't vote somebody out of office in California. Okay, but people in Detroit can vote somebody out of office in Detroit or in Michigan. So you have to understand how to put pressure and how to advocate for what you want to your member of the House of Representatives. Well, you have to know which district you're in. I'm in the 14th Congressional District, Brenda Lawrence. Okay, you have to know what district you're in. This is why I gave the number to the Congressional Switchboard yesterday. Okay, here's the number to the Congressional Switchboard once again. When you call the Congressional Switchboard, you can, uh, it'll ask you for your zip code and it'll get you to your member of the House of Representatives or the uh, U.S. Senate. Congressional switchboard number is 202. Um, what is this? 202 224. I have it in my phone because I've called in the past. 202 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. It's the number to the congressional switchboard. You can get your member of the House of Representatives, your U.S. senators. Okay, you usually you, you end up get talking to their staffers, but that's fine. That's what they, that's one of the reasons why they're there. So research indivisible. Okay, now, uh, okay, this one here from NBC News, uh, from CBS News, CBS News. One year after George Floyd's death, there's cautious optimism for police reform. Okay, and there's a video in here. You can watch that. May 25th, 2021, this article. Uh, they talk, let's see, they talk about uh, Senator Cory Booker because uh, he's negotiating. Congressional negotiations have intensified in recent weeks, led by New Jersey Democratic Senator Cory Booker, uh, South Carolina uh, GOP Senator Tim Scott and California Congresswoman Karen Bass. Uh, Senator Cory Booker spoke with uh, the president Friday and described him as understanding and empathetic about the missed deadline. Let me see. It was something else I was looking at. Uh, Cory Booker was interviewed. I think it's a video in here, but he was saying that they got a lot of this past weekend and they're moving closer to a deal. One of the key uh, sticking points has been uh, whether to end qualified immunity with shields officers from lawsuits and civil liability. Uh, in a letter Friday, House progressives urged congressional leaders not to drop the elimination of qualified immunity 
to make a deal with Republicans. Well, the fact of the matter is you need 10 Republicans in the Senate to vote for this bill, period. That's it. How many Republicans in the House voted for the bill? None. Zero. So this, this is why, see, people don't understand what James Clyburn was saying. We talked about this yesterday. People don't understand what James Clyburn was saying. Clyburn knows the white NASA's party better than most people. Clyburn knows 212 Republicans in the House voted against the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. If you had zero in the House voting for it with qualified immunity in the bill, what makes you think you're going to get 10 Republicans in the Senate to vote for the bill with qualified immunity in the bill? Clyburn, he knows it. That's why he said, look, if you can't come to an agreement on qualified immunity, get the rest of this stuff passed in the bill and come back to it. Come back to it later. Get this stuff passed now. I agree with him. He's correct. Because, and see, people, I see, I, I, had, a, I had a strong suspicion that police organizations were putting pressure on uh, Republicans, especially Republicans in the Senate, not to remove qualified immunity. And that's what April Ryan was talking about in the article from the Griot. Okay, so uh, let's look at this here. We talked about this yesterday. Here's what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Here's what the George Floyd Justice and the Policing Act would do. This is from NBCNews.com, April 12, 2021. Uh, we'll just look at the highlights because I have to get out of here. The bill aims to end certain police uh, techniques, including choke holds and carotid uh, holds, carotid artery holds, uh, two forms of potentially deadly force. Such practices will be banned at the federal level and federal uh, funding for local and state police agencies would be conditioned on those agencies outlawing them. The bill also seeks to improve police training and invest in community programs designed to improve policing and promote equitable new policies. Other provisions in the bill would ban no-knock warrants in federal drug cases, uh, as would chokeholds, encourage local and state agencies to comply by tying bans to federal funding. Uh, a no-knock warrant led to the fatal shooting of 26-year-old Breonna Taylor by police uh, last year in Louisville, Kentucky. End qualified immunity, uh, which protects law enforcement officers from uh, most uh, civil lawsuits. End qualified immunity. Uh, make it easier to prosecute police officers accused of misconduct by lowering the legal standard from willfulness to recklessness. This is huge. This right here. When when you're done with lowering the federal standard, because many people, including um, uh, Attorney General, former Attorney General Eric Holder, uh, when he was leaving the Department of Justice, he talked about how Congress needed to pass a law to lower the federal standard that has to be met to uh, get convictions of police officers at the federal level. When you lower it from willfulness, willful intent which really goes to state of mind, you have to will, you have to prove that the officer willfully intended to deprive someone of their civil rights, which really goes to state of mind. And it's a, it's a high bar to me. If you lower that down to recklessness, you can get a lot more officers convicted. That is huge right there. See, th this is what happens when people don't know what they're talking about and they come here with BS that they heard other places. 
if you compare this bill to the COVID-19 hate crime bill, this bill right here is a much more comprehensive bill. It's a more complicated bill. Now, when you don't read bills and you come here and repeat simple Simon ass nonsense, okay, that you make a damn fool out of yourself. This is why you have to go read these bills. Go to congress.gov. All the bills coming out of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, you can read at congress.gov. Compare these two bills together. It will prohibit racial, religious, and discriminatory profiling uh, by law enforcement. This deals with racial profiling, et cetera. Law enforcement agencies at the local, state, and federal levels and mandate training against such discriminatory profiling. It will require local and state uh, police agencies to use existing federal funds to ensure the use of body cameras, require all federal uniformed officers to wear body cameras, and require all marked federal police vehicles to use dashboard cameras. It will create a national police misconduct registry to prevent uh, police officers who are fired or pushed out for bad performance from being hired by other agencies. This is something else that's huge that activists have been asking for for years. All this is in the George Floyd Justice of Policing Act. Problem is, our people, many of our people don't read. It will use federal grants to help communities establish commissions and task force to study police reforms. It will address police militarization by limiting how much military grade equipment is awarded to state and local law enforcement agencies. It will enhance pattern and practice invest investigations. This is another huge thing right here. It will enhance pattern and practice investigations by police departments by granting the Justice Department subpoena power and establishing grant programs for state attorneys general to conduct their own probes. That is something that's huge. That give, that makes it easier and gives more power when it comes to the Department of Justice investigating patterns and practices of police departments, which brings about police reform, which can bring about police reform in those departments. Or if a, if a department is so corrupt or what have you, there's a process and the DOJ has to go through the courts to do this. There's a process to disband to disband that police department as well. Okay, uh, several Republicans, including Senator Tim Scott and uh, dumbass Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Because Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, Republican of Kentucky, he's the one that blocked the anti-lynching bill in, in June 2020 in the Senate. That's why the anti-lynching bill didn't pass, because of Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Because the anti-lynching bill passed the House of Representatives. You had Republicans that voted for the anti-lynching bill in the House of Representatives. But Senator Rand Paul blocked it in the in the Senate. They have uh, Senator Tim Scott and Senator Rand Paul have offered alternative alternate proposals to address police mis misconduct. OK, Representative Karen Bass, Democrat of California, the sponsor of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act bill. African-American woman, Congressional Black Caucus, Representative Karen Bass, she's the sponsor of the bill. She said after the House moved the legislation in March that she is confident the House and the Senate can work toward a compromise. Okay, so read this here. This is from April 21st, 2021. 
here's what the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act would do. Okay, this is a very comprehensive bill. All right. Once again, this is this, this is what happens when you read. This is why I go through and show you all this stuff here. Okay, this is why I give you the information so you can read the bill. I think they have a link in here. You can read uh, the full bill at congress.gov. Uh, I think they have a link. Yeah, the link is right here. Uh, they take is is HR 1280, HR 1280, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act 2021. There's a link uh, right in the article uh, that takes you to Congress.gov, so you can actually read the bill. So you don't have to repeat nonsense that you hear from simple Simon ass people on social media that have no clue what they're talking about. This is you can actually go and read all of these bills at congress.gov. This is how you do research. H.R. 1280, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act 2020. That's the name of the bill. Who's the sponsor of the bill? Representative Karen Bass, Democrat from California, African-American woman, Congressional Black Caucus. It'll show you what stage it's in. You can track the bill, introduced, passed the House, passed the Senate. It's at the president's desk became law. You can track where the bill is. You can go through and you can look at what's been done to the bill. They give you a summary of the bill. All this stuff. Congress.gov. This is a free website. This is how you track bills. This is how you find out what's in the bill. Who's showing you this type of information? Okay. Now, lastly, uh, that's enough of that. Lastly, today's African Liberation Day. What is African Liberation Day? Okay, uh, there's a good piece here from um, Africa.com uh, has a good piece. We posted this earlier today. Uh, May 25th is crowned as uh, Africa Day. Uh, was, it used to be called African Liberation Day, then it was called Africa Day. Uh, and let me pull this up here. What is African Liberation Day? So we have this piece here from Africa.com. I posted this earlier today. Celebrations on May 25th. Crowned as Africa Day, recite the annual commemorations of Africa's independence, freedom, and liberation uh, stride, strife from colonial imperialists. The uh, reinforcement of this liberation was the first union of African countries on African soil, the foundation of the regional integration body, the organization of the African unity. Uh, OAU, Organization of the African Unity, on May 25th, 1963, which 38 years later evolved into the African Union. Today, the Continental Organization celebrates 54 years of determined, uh, well, this is two years ago, so it's 56 years of determined efforts for unity among uh, the African people and social economic freedom from foreign dominion and exploitation. Then they lay out uh, top 10 things to know about um, Africa Day or African Liberation Day. Uh, it was inspired by Ghana's independence. 
the end of World War II saw exceeding efforts from Africans over the process of decolonization of the African continent for more political rights and independence from colonial rule. Thus, between 1945 and 1965, a significant number of African countries gained independence from European colonial powers, with Ghana becoming the first African country in the south of, in the south of the Sahara, gaining its independence on March 6, 1957, under the leadership of Kwame Nkrumah. Now, Ghana's independence therein served as an inspiration to other African countries fighting against colonial rule, and Ghana played a central role in uh, this objective. Now, after uh, now a year after its independence, uh, Ghana, uh, a year after its independence, Ghana convened the first conference of independent African states on April 15, 1958. African countries in attendance included Ethiopia, Libya, Sudan, Liberia, Egypt, Tunisia, and Morocco, amongst others, with representatives of the uh, National Liberation Front of Algeria and the Union of Cameroonian Peoples. The conference was a collective platform of the explicit assertion of Africa's rejection of Africa's rejection of colonial and imperialist domination of the continent of Africa, becoming the first Pan-African Liberation Conference to be held on the continent of Africa, bringing together various African countries. Further, uh, further at the meeting, the first African Freedom Day was celebrated, which was later recognized as Africa Day. Okay, the first African Freedom Day was celebrated, which was later recognized as Africa Day. Um, if we look at, so you can read the rest of this here. Uh, this deals with, uh, this is from Africa.com. This deals with, uh, 10 things to know about Africa day, 10 things to know about Africa day. There was a, we'll post this link here. There's a, a, a piece also that I, I refer to, uh, oftentimes this is from timeanddate.com, timeanddate.com. This deals with um, African Liberation Day. And let me see. Okay, let's pull this up right here. And let me blow this up. Timeanddate.com. This uh, has more information on African Liberation Day, and it kind of really simplifies it. May 25th is African Liberation Day. On this day, uh, many African countries celebrate the hard-fought achievement of their freedom from European colonial powers. So African Liberation Day is celebrated by many uh, uh, African communities around the world. By many African communities around the world. It is a permanent mass institution in the worldwide Pan-African movement. The day is observed in countries such as Ghana, Kenya, Spain, Tanzania, uh, the United Kingdom, and the United States. And events include formal gatherings with panel discussions. I've spoken at a number of African Liberation Day celebrations here in Detroit. Uh, Street marches, speeches by political and social leaders, special university lectures, rallies featuring 
cultural uh, event, uh, cultural entertainment, poetry, and speakers. In the United States, the day is commemorated in the form of symposiums where people are invited to attend and participate in political and social issues relevant to U.S. African communities. Now, background information. African Freedom Day was founded during the first uh, conference of independent African states, which attracted African leaders and political activists from various African countries in Ghana on April 15, 1958. OK, African Freedom Day was founded uh, of then April 15, 1958. Government representatives from eight independent African states attended. Now, this is the year after Ghana uh, won its independence from Great Britain, which was in 1957. Uh, government representatives from eight independent African states attended the conference, which was the first Pan-African conference in the continent. The purpose of the day was uh, the purpose of the day was to annually mark the liberation movement's progress, to annually mark the liberation movement's progress and to symbolize the, the determination of the people of Africa to free themselves from foreign domination and exploitation between 1958 in 1963, the nation class struggle grew bigger in Africa and around the world. During this period, 17 uh, African countries uh, won their independence, and 1960 was proclaimed the year of Africa. 1960 was proclaimed the year of Africa. On May 25, 1963, 31 African leaders convened a summit meeting to found the organization of African unity, the OAU, the Organization of African Unity. Now, Malcolm X is going to form his organization, the OAAU, the Organization of Afro-American Unity, which was patterned after the Organization of African Unity. They renamed, the, they renamed Africa Freedom Day as African Liberation Day and changed this date to May 25th, okay? Because uh, May 25th coincides with May 25th, 1963, when 31 African leaders convened the summit uh, to found the Organization of African Unity. The founding date of the OAU is also referred to as Africa Day. OK, so African Liberation Day also is a commemoration of the founding of the Organization of African Unity, May 25th, 1963. African Liberation Day has helped to raise political awareness in uh, African communities across the world. It has also been a source of information about the struggles for liberation and development and development. Okay. So happy African Liberation Day. We've got to get out of here. Hey, if you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. And also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Okay. Uh, or at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We're here six days a week. Uh, this helps us keep doing the research, uh, keep broadcasting, stay on the air six days a week, pay some of the bills. And be sure to register for the online course that I teach on Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is a uh, nine-week uh, online course that I teach Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
as soon as you register, you can watch the class we just did uh, this past Saturday with Sister uh, Nubia Wardford. She's an archaeologist. We dealt with the origins of ancient Kush and the African queens of antiquity. The, the class was $80, but since we're halfway through it, uh, I dropped the price down to $60 for you. So as soon as you register, you can watch the, the previous classes, and then you'll be ready uh, for our next class Saturday, May 29th, 2021. And we do the classes live. You can do the live chat and ask questions during the during the class. All the sessions are recorded. So as soon as you register, you can watch the previous classes and you'll still have access even after the course is over with. You can still go back and watch it over and over again. All right. We have to get out of here. Uh, register for the class. We'll see you in class Saturday, May 29th. Remember, right now, it's correct wrong behavior. is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. For 25 years, the Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum has carried on the rich legacy of the Black Museum movement in America by showcasing original artifacts of the Black experience at colleges, universities, K-12 schools, corporations, libraries, conferences, and cultural events, making it the most traversed Black History mobile exhibit in American history. Dr. Khalid El-Hakim is the founder of the Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum, and he is a highly sought-after public speaker on topics of black history, social studies, education, museum studies, hip-hop, and race relations. Dr. Khalid was named among the changemakers for NBC Universal's Erase the Hate campaign and listed as one of the 100 Men of Distinction for Black Enterprise. He recently founded the Michigan Hip Hop Archive on the campus of Western Michigan University. The Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum is currently scheduling in-person and virtual exhibits nationwide. For more information, please contact Dr. Khalid Al-Hakim directly at 313-645-4197, 313-645-4197, or visit their website at blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. That's blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. You can also email him at bhistory101 at yahoo.com, bhistory101 at yahoo.com. With blackbusinesstea.com. The messages are clear and meaningful. Keep your business in the black and out of the red. Mind your black business. Know your numbers and plan strategically. Black business boss, lead your industry. Support black business. Encourage, patronize, and uplift one another. BlackBusinessTea.com currently has products sold in Detroit, Atlanta, Chicago, and Los Angeles with proceeds returned to the black community. They have a wide selection of hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, hats, sweatshirts that support black-owned businesses. Visit the website blackbusinesstea.com. That's blackbusinesstea.com. Digital Dandelion's technical solutions works with businesses like yours to create an operations manual for your business which is something many businesses don't have. According to AARP, more than 30% of small business owners are over 50 years old. Many business owners want to retire by selling their businesses or by passing their businesses on to their children. However, according to Forbes Investment Advisors, many retiring owners attempts to sell their businesses or retirement fail. 
cannot sell your business without a business manual. Your children also cannot inherit your business because there is no way to run it. Your business does not have to die when you leave. Their business Bible products will give you the tools you need for a thriving business that can make you money even after you retire. Are you looking at increasing your business's annual revenue? Digital Dandelions can help you make at least $100,000 in annual revenue and expand your business. Speak with them today about solidifying your business. Visit DigitalDandelions.com today and get a free 30-minute consultation. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle her hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustler Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. 